Welcome to a very special edition of DLC. This week, all week long, DLC means your daily live coverage of E3. We're here every night of the show, last night, tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday, talking about all the games, all the announcements, and of course, that is made possible by our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing that show to you, this show right here, all week long, to you for free. Uh, We're not going to have our usual show. No, this is a very special one for E3, the biggest week of gaming. I have my friend slash co-host slash nemesis on hand, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hey, Jeff. What's up, buddy? And we got a very special guest, a two-timer. He was in one of the very first episodes, I think, of DLC. And we're glad to have him back to talk E3. It's Corey Banks, the managing editor of PC Gamer. Welcome back, Corey. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Corey, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here because uh, you are one of my favorite voices in gaming. I hope you guys are, are checking out his oh. stuff in PC Gamer and also a frequent guest on the Gamers with Jobs podcast. Um, yeah, the Gamers with Jobs conference call on, out on Wednesdays. Right. Um, so we are going to have a, uh, a show all about, well, we're going to talk about Nintendo. They had their big Nintendo Direct of E3 today. Uh, and Christian and I were both at the show, on the show floor, getting hands-on with actual games. Corey's been monitoring E3 from his uh, secret underground lair, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is awesome as well. And we're going to have lots of your phone calls. So don't forget, you can call in the show, 512-518-5714. Again, 512-518-5714. Uh, and I want to hear about what you guys are excited about for this E3, what games you want to know more about. If you have any questions or comments, there's a lot of streaming coverage. I'm sure a lot of people are following. So I want to hear what people are buzzing about because sometimes being on the show floor can actually be a weird echo chamber that you don't really get a sense of what the public at large is is talking about because I haven't been on the internet all day. I've been I've been in my own little world uh, running from meeting to meeting looking at games. But I did see a whole bunch of games today, a whole bunch of really great games uh, that I've been excited for, and we're going to talk about a lot of them. Um, But let's start, guys, uh, with Nintendo. Nintendo, of course, doing what they did last year, eschewing a a big press conference, uh, and they went even a step further than they did last year, where last year they had the Nintendo Direct, but they had a live audience of media, of which I was one last year. Uh, and I complained about it, so kudos to them for understanding that it really wasn't – there was no benefit to standing around while they presented that. Um, so they just just did this stream. They just did this prepackaged stream about uh, all of the things that they've got coming up uh, this year and beyond. Mostly beyond, I think it's fair to say. But, um, but there was some really – Juicy stuff. So, Corey, let's go right to you. What What was your take on Nintendo's uh, big E3 Nintendo Direct? Obviously, managing editor of PC Gamer means that I'm supposed to hate all platforms except for the PC. That said, <laughs> that said, I thought Nintendo Direct was actually really cool. It was, you know, I'm not at E3, like you said. I'm I'm working, you know, from the office, from home, in the Bay Area, um, watching these events. So I'm not sitting there like watching the live presenters or anything. And Nintendo Direct really worked for me. Like 
watching kind of the prepared skits that they put together, a lot of the, the gameplay footage, uh, interviews with the developers, the creators of these games, I thought it was really, really cool. And, and I am, for the first time since it came out, super excited about the Wii U. Yeah? What, am, what, was yeah. It, what was it that got you so excited? I mean, clearly the big push for this year is Super Smash Brothers, and that you know is coming both on the Wii U and the 3DS. Uh, yeah. But they had a few other announcements for this year. But I mean, that Zelda trailer is pretty amazing. Or not really that's, even a trailer, that's just the a one. bit of it's yeah. It's Zelda. Zelda. Zelda right immediately like pulled me in. I'm like, that's that's a game I want to play. Seriously. Um, yeah. I also, but I also thought like even smaller stuff like Mario Maker looked really cool. I'd be really curious to try out how that works with like the Wii U tablet. Uh, what the gamepad? I'm I'm not up on my nomenclature, but um. But Mario Maker seemed cool. The idea of creating levels, creating content, I'm always about that. Um, uh, Smash Brothers looked great. It was really Zelda. I really, really want Zelda. Well, they did a really interesting thing with Zelda where, where they said, okay, we're going to start talking about Zelda. They, they brought on the creator, uh, the producer of the game, uh, and he was talking in very general terms about Zelda. And then all of a sudden he snaps his fingers and behind him emerges this lush, bright, glorious hd version of hyrule one one assumes and uh it 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 pops visually it's bright and glorious and it's got sort of a cel-shaded-esque look uh and i thought oh this is the only taste we're gonna get is sort of this vague look at the scenery and then it starts moving and Awesome stuff starts happening and <laughs> Link is shooting arrows at some awesome creature and there's explosions everywhere. And it's like, what is this? Is this game actually closer to getting made than we think? I don't know if it's I, I mean, it's it's always tough to say, right? Like I could easily see what what they've put together here being out in 2015 and I could see it not. Right. It, it's always tough to say with Nintendo, but what they've put together, if we get anything that's even close to that, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play. I honestly yeah. do. Well, it said 2015, but, you know, it's Nintendo. So I'm thinking holiday 2015 at the earliest and maybe push to 2016. Christian, what was your take on, well, on Zelda, but on Nintendo overall? So Zelda, unfortunately, I mean, I don't know if people follow me on Twitter. I ask this sincerely. <clears throat> I don't think it's happened. I don't think a console Zelda game since the N64 has hit Nintendo's original planned release date. Um, and I don't count Wind Waker HD in that because that's a remake and I, I'm not counting that. And right now on the show floor, and I played all of these games, but Nintendo has on the show floor Kirby, uh, Toad, um, Yoshi, Mario Maker, all scheduled for 2015 and those are all playable and Zelda is also scheduled for 2015 and Zelda is by far the most ambitious game of all of those you know it just I there's no way I mean if it happens I will be so freaking excited well I would guess that the most of those games that you mentioned are early 2015 and I think at the earliest Zelda is Christmas time 2015 but but i also understand where you're coming from on the you know i'll believe it when i see it type deal i, I mean i i also kind of feel like like Zelda's the one game where if you showed early footage of it and it wasn't absolutely mind-blowing that'd be a huge problem for the franchise like right. you kind of have to get zelda right the stakes aren't as high with kirby right so oh, but I, I, I was not there i didn't play kirby maybe kirby's fantastic but like it's I, I understand why they would hold back on zelda yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, general Nintendo thoughts then. I, I loved the robot chicken kind of presentation they had. Yes. Um, I, I think their, their biggest problem is, I don't know if it's, you know, obviously they have a problem with getting third-party stuff out on, out on, but it's just unfortunately, Jeff, I think I saw you tweeting this too, it's just their 2014 is Mario Kart and Smash, and then if we get all those games in 2015, that's fantastic. I just don't know if the Wii U can make it to 2015. I mean, I really, really hope so. And I think when all said and done, the Wii U might have one of the best catalogs of Nintendo exclusives ever, or at least rival that. But I mean, it's it's a drought. I, I really look forward to 2015, and I think you can pick up a Wii U cheap, and then you'll have all these games to play. But in terms of trying to fight a console war, quote-unquote, I mean, it's it's... It's tough. I don't think the Wii U is going to outsell the GameCube in terms of skews out in the wild. Well, as far as 2014 goes, they also have Bayonetta 2, which they announced as including Bayonetta 1 as a pack-in game, uh, which kind of proves how few people played Bayonetta 1, (laughs) you know, Um, which is sad because it's a really fun game. Uh, And Hyrule Warriors, which... I haven't had hands on yet on my meeting with Nintendo uh, is I think on is tomorrow, I think. But um, Hyrule Warriors looks a lot better than I thought it was going to. It, it looks kind of fun, actually. Nobody else agrees. I, I mean, I, I only saw a little bit of it. Um, I, I kind of I guess I guess and this is based off of just only seeing a, a bit of that. I had to turn away and I don't know, like edit some managing stuff i don't know what i do but i had to i when i turned back i thought at first that this was a new character for smash brothers and i didn't really quite get what was going on and then suddenly it was hyrule warriors and it was something different and i understand that like they're doing something strange with the multiplayer where like player two can play exclusively on the gamepad like it, it's interesting but i didn't really get it yet i'd be really curious to hear what you think after you play it yeah, I, I I talked to somebody who had hands on today, and they said it was really fun. So uh, I, I'm I'm anxious to to try it out. Um, and like you were saying, Kirby uh, Kirby is one of my favorite franchises, and my favorite game of the Kirby franchise. Well, Kirby's Canvas Curse is pretty wonderful, but Kirby Kirby. Um, or I said I said that backwards. Kirby's Canvas Curse is my favorite game of the franchise, but uh, the the Kirby's Yarn. Ah, Kirby's epic yarn. Nintendo, epic yarn. Okay, so Canvas right. Curse, this looks like the successor. They have uh, this Rainbow Curse, right, which is a 2015 game. Um, so I'm loving that because Canvas Curse was so fantastic. And they have sort of a spiritual successor to Epic Yarn in Yoshi's Yarn game as well. So both of those awesome Kirby games are getting pseudo sequels, it seems to me, which is which is good news as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I played both of them. I mean, Kirby looks fantastic. It looks like the world was kind of built out of Play-Doh this time around. Really, really bright, really cool, fun. Um, And then same uh, Yoshi's Willy World. Holy moly, what what a dreamboat of a game. Like, it looks... It looks so awesome. I mean, it's epic yarn, but in HD and brighter and, and more cheery. And I love the Yoshi being able to eat things and... When, you know, because everything's made out of yarn, when he eats them, he instead of pooping out an egg, it's a little yarn ball. Um, my, my concern for these games, both of these games, is kind of, and Jeff, I think we talked about this before, like what keeps you going through a Nintendo game? And it has to just be the joy of discovery and the new levels and, and finding things. When I was talking to the Nintendo rep about Yoshi, you know, as at this point, 
it can always change. But at this point, she was saying, you know, you won't need to have a certain number of, I think they're daisies or whatever, kind of the star collectible to unlock new levels. It's just, you know, you're doing it to complete, to be a completionist. You're finding all of them to be a completionist. Whereas in Nintendo, you know, the later levels require you to have so many coins uh, to be able to access them. So it's like, yeah, the completionist gets you to do that, but also to progress into the challenging back half of like 3D land and 3D world. That's a requirement. And Yoshi, I think you kind of just play it and then it's up to you to push yourself. You know what I mean? To find those harder things. And right. so I, I'm, I Sort of the for, Nintendo way. It is. And so I, I wonder for both of those games, you know, how compelling they'll be. But don't get me wrong. From what I played, both were so fun and so enjoyable and, and a, real, a real treat to, uh, to experience on the show floor. Yeah, and uh, a couple of other games that really piqued my interest. Uh, one is Xenoblade Chronicles, which is another 2015 game. But, um, you know, the, we really haven't had any announcements of games even remotely like that among the big publishers this year. It's, it's like Japanese role-playing games are uh, this weird, you know, ghettoized <laughs> subgenre now. What, yeah, what they're, in, they're in a penalty Jap- box, Jap- it seems like. Japanese what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that game, I think, is going to be really cool. I'm very excited for it. And Splatoon. Yes. Splatoon is this thing that came out of nowhere and completely charmed the pants off me. Um, strange game. Right? But strange in this m- amazing, outside-the-box, brilliant way. Oh, and totally. It, it, it is exactly, I think, what Nintendo does so well. Is it, it? They say, what's our weird sideways way into doing this genre? Like, you could say that about Smash Brothers. You know, when, when fighting games were huge, they went, what's our weird sideways way into that? And they kind of invented a, an entire subgenre of their own of fighting games with Smash Brothers. And this is a multiplayer arena shooter, but... This paint idea of splattering paint on the ground, which lets you run faster and transform into this squid and go underneath (laughs) the paint. It's just bizarre and awesome, but it's a wonderful mechanic because it seems to show in a really visual way exactly the dynamic of what the teams are doing on the battlefield, which is so brilliant to me, I think. I mean, it's it's totally Nintendo, right? Like, here's this bright game that you're going to play and... the way to play the game, the way to do better is to make the game brighter and, and messier and more colorful, right? And then also suddenly, like, part of the game, like, I can imagine the developers sitting around going, well, this would be a really cool competitive game, you know, let's get four people playing games together. What's what's the missing element here? Okay, we've got we've got, uh, we've got goals, we, we have ink, that's kind of cool. What if people could turn into squids? <laughs> yeah. Like, and then they were just, and they're just like, oh, I guess that's a good idea, and went along with their day as if that wasn't the weirdest thing they've ever thought. But it works. It, the The demo, and this is 2015 too, right? This isn't. This yeah, isn't coming this is out this 2015 year. 2015 as well. Yeah, yeah. That that just seems so awesome. There's there's this whole genre of local multiplayer games that I, I see emerging in like the whole industry, and this is one of them that I'm like, yeah, I want to sit down with some with three other friends and play this. So and it it also is this wonderful way of making a multiplayer shooter kid friendly because a you're not killing anybody. And right. B, what kid doesn't want to splatter paint everywhere? I mean, it's just this wonderful, you know, wish fulfillment for kids. So the uh, next Nintendo game I get to talk about first, because you guys, for bo- so far, I've got to say all the good stuff that I agree <laughs> with. And now I have to just say the yeah buts. <laughs> right. I mean, from, from, from playing the game, controlled well, 
vibrant, fun, cool, up close and personal. I think this is Splatoon you're talking about. Correct. This is Splatoon. Okay. I'm I'm curious, and Jeff, you know, we'll circle back after you get hands on with it. I feel like this game should come out from what I played right now, like a Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare type release or price point, where I'm a little curious how they flesh out this game to Mm. feel more like a full game versus because I don't think this game will be as big as a Titanfall and not in terms of sales success. I mean, in terms of content and, you know, I think people got a little, got through that game quickly as well. If they weren't hardcore, you know, prestige it 50 times. So I'm really curious how they build out this world and the rep I was speaking with, you know, he didn't have anything to elaborate on. It's like, you know, this is what we're showing today in arena based. We have a lot of exciting, you know, ways to in levels and whatever. But I'm really curious what the other modes are and what keeps this more than an awesome part of a mini game, not a mini game collection. But you know what I mean? I think akin to Garden Warfare is how I see this game right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if it so, came out at like 20 bucks, would you think? I mean, I think 40. Yeah, 30, 40 bucks, you know, oh, is, wow, okay. from what I've seen is a sweet price point for this game. What if it were thirty dollars and downloadable on the Wii U store, and and no physical I think release? That's brilliant! That'd be great. They should do. That's that's the exact kind of thing that Nintendo probably wouldn't do. Right. We could all <laughs> that's hope. a good point. Yeah. Um, and you know, Corey, you brought up uh, Mario Maker, which is another 2015 game. Um, the magic of that in the demonstration really was the flipping back and forth between the old school. Mario look, uh, that sort of 8-bit, 16-bit look, well, not even 16, but 8-bit look, uh, and the amazing, you know, modern 3D Mario. Uh, That just seems like this bit of magic. And there's so many games, like every game that comes out, the, you know, (laughs) video game equivalent to Hello World in a a video game editor is to make (laughs) a level in Mario, right? So why not, I guess Nintendo said, hey, why not actually let people make Mario levels? I think it's cool. I think... um... I mean, I mean, you're a little limited palette wise, like it, you're going to make Mario levels and it, it would be really cool if you could make things that were outlandish even for Mario. Right. Um, I, I'm curious and maybe you guys have tried it on the floor yet. Like it looks to me like you end up doing a lot of the creation using the touch screen on the, the pad. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of had that sense that like you're kind of stretching out uh, pipes that's with, you know, using your fingers and not like just using controls. Um, and the first thing I thought, because I'm such a PC elitist, I guess, is, man, I really wish I, well, the first thing I thought was, wow, it's nice at making mods on a console. The second thing I thought was, that would be really cool to do on an iPad and then maybe transfer it over to my Wii U instead of having to use my gamepad or like being able to collaborate with people. Um, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> it will never, yeah. ever happen. I live in a fantasy world. But right. the, I, I love, I do love the idea of content creation in games because the only thing better then playing these video games is then being able to you know make your own content and feel like you're even that much more connected with a game. So I love that you're going to be able to do that with Mario. And like all the best Marios are always the 2D side-scrolling Marios. I love yeah. new Super oh. Mario Brothers, mm. right? So no, if there's a whole no. lot of content like that to play, I'm I'm for it. I know you're Galaxy. Galaxy, yeah, G- Galaxy. I, I, Galaxy's good. I'm not gonna lie, but but I'm I'm way into the the side scrollers. Like I played I played New Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo DS. I think like five different times all the way through. It was insane. Also, also a good game. Uh, I think what the Mario Maker is going to show is how amazing 
Nintendo is at designing Mario levels. I think yeah, that people right. will make some incredible <laughs> levels. I mean, there are incredible little big planet levels. And anytime, yeah, you get, like you were saying, you know, you give someone the ability to create some amazing stuff comes out of it. But I think there's going to be a lot of, oh, wow, Super Mario Brothers 3 is incredible level design. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was thinking. Is there going to be some sort of test to make sure these levels aren't broken before you can share them? You know, I they showed that little bit at the end that was humorous of blocking off the the castle after you jump on the flag and, oh, Mario can't get to it and he just kind of runs in place. And I feel like most of the levels people make will be broken in some way of, you know, uh, you can't get there from here. Um, Maybe. I Don't ever bet against the community, though, man. That's They'll true. turn out some amazing, amazing things. I, I'm, I, I think they might make things that will rival Super Mario's 3. Well, I, I, I'm certainly ready to see that. That would be amazing. I, you know, the other side that I'll, everyone always jumps to right away too with this and with the Splatoon is, uh, you know, the infamous penis levels that will be like, <laughs> are they going to have some, is it going to be, you know, people splattering paint in Splatoon to make penises? Are they going to be penis level? And it's always that if people always jump to penises, um, you know, is there going to be some sort of checks and balances there for that i don't know i I think the kids got to learn about penises sometime like they're going to be on the internet they're going to be playing games i never did i know i still don't know what that is (laughs) we're gonna have a talk after the podcast about uh (laughs) about the birds and the bees and how the internet works i guess (laughs) fair enough um all right so uh any other nintendo oh let's talk about amiibo 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 I don't know if I saw let me, this one. Let me set the stage for one last game then. Oh, okay. I didn't get tons of coverage. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, it, it's kind of like a little puzzle box that you're exploring and you're manipulating the world and turning it and viewing it and zooming in and navigating a very slow toad through a world. And it, it, it's kind of like, you know, if Mario could only walk and some of the your secret hunting is how I feel like it, you know, like in, in 3d world or 3d land, uh, when you can go and find the secret rooms and get that last star that you haven't found yet. And it, it, it seemed really interesting. And I think that these levels could get more and more complex with, as you progress and, you know, a little, it's not black and white, obviously, but a little echo Chrome. If you remember that old PSN game where you're manipulating the world to get a new view, to see that you can go somewhere, um, it seemed really cool. I feel <laughs> for all of these games, well, for Kirby, Yoshi, and Captain Toad, I do kind of feel like they all maybe could be a couple of levels in a bigger Mario game, if that makes sense. And you're like, this is a brilliant mechanic. I want a whole game of that. And now they're doing that, <laughs> right? It's like <laughs> you get a whole world built out about this. And I think that might end up being of Yoshi and Kirby. I think Captain Toad might be the sleeper uh, surprise between those three. It was it's, it was pretty fun. Well, we have a uh, it looks like we have a sleeper surprise of our own. Um, we got a a special surprise caller calling in. I think. Let me find out. Is uh, Zav Damatos? Is this you on the on the line? Jeff Canada, how are you? What Zav Damatos from Joystick? Uh, been at E three all day long, and yet taking the time to call us. How's it going, my friend? I'm great, man. How are you? How are you enjoying your show so far? Oh, it's been spectacular. I'm I'm so happy to talk to you. Tell me, we've been talking about Nintendo up to this point all morning, so I'd love, or all day, all show so far. Um, so I'd love to hear your take on on Nintendo. But like, what have you seen at the show that you love? What What was your day like today? Well, 
I was hoping for a Metroid announcement. I'm a big Metroid fan, and they have not given that to us yet. But they have said that there are more announcements coming later this week. Uh, Reggie even said that the pins on his lapel are telling a story, and tomorrow he said he's wearing a Metroid pin. So whatever that means, maybe we'll get a new Metroid game. Maybe he's telling a sad, sad story. It's it's just a a very (laughs) sad story of of loss and regret. (laughs) (laughs) We have not had a new Metroid game since a narrative Metroid game uh, in the series since 2004 with uh, Fusion when that came out. There was other M that was a prequel. Let's forget that ever happened. Uh, But. Uh, yeah, I'm really waiting for uh, Metroid Other M to transition naturally from Nintendo and uh, all of their great games. So I went to EA Sports today. That's a natural transition. And um, I saw NHL 15. Now, as you know, Jeff, I'm Canadian. So what? legally, I'm obligated to go play hockey games. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm sorry. I've been lying to you this whole time. Um, there's a reason why I always wear those jerseys. Oh, man. Uh, we call them sweaters, actually. So um, last year I reviewed NHL 14 and I talked about how the gameplay is still great, but the broadcast packages are old. They needed to refresh them. They needed to do something, please. And they finally done that, signed a deal with NBC Sports, and they have great broadcast packages. But not only that, they have done something that I think is going to really change how games like sports games are made. It used to be that the character on the field or on the ice was one entity. It was just one solid block of physics. But in mm-hmm. NHL 15, what they've done is they've actually turned it into three pieces. So there's the player, then there's their equipment that is layered on top of them, which has independent physics of the player, and then there's the layer of the sweater and the rest of the jersey that is independent of both the player and the actual equipment. No there's hair layer? layers of physics for each player. No, unfortunately. Beard physics is exclusive to MLB The Show. <laughs> this year, they're they're trying to sign a new deal for someone else. But uh, yeah, I think it's really great. So the video that they were showing, and you see this a little bit in the demo that I got to play. If you shoot a puck and it actually even lightly touches the jersey, the puck reacts because it has physics uh, to this object. So you get a lot more bounces. Each character on the ice, each player on the ice, I should say, has independent physics as well. It used to be that only two players, when they hit each other, they would have a physics would activate for those two players. Uh, now it's all 12 players. So you get things like, and you'll notice this if you're watching the playoffs, um, you, uh, like you'll get a lot of pile-ups in the, uh, in the crease at, you know, when the goalies are trying to stop the puck. You get all these guys just diving for it. They used to not be able to do that because there was only ever two players with physics. So I think that's great. Right now, it's turned on a little too much. Guys like brush against each other, and it looks like they get hit by a truck because they go <laughs> flying. It's a little crazy. But hopefully they'll fix that. I think it's really uh, exciting for me as a, a hockey fan and, uh, again, as a Canadian. That sounds awesome. I Just looking at it and seeing it at the, at the press conference, at the EA press conference, I mean, it, it visually is just stunning now. They've gotten to a level of, of almost television quality visuals. It's amazing. Um, anything else that you saw the, today the, that you're excited about? What's that? Uh, well, I have been playing. I, I was just saying they, they made a bit of a gamble. Because when you start up a match or you start up a game, it will show their color commentary team, the real people, and mm. then it cuts to the video game. So it's a little bit of a gamble, like whether or not people think, like, is the game realistic enough to pull that off? I think right now, not quite, but it could get there by the time the game comes out. Uh, I have been playing Destiny, which I know is going to be everyone on everyone's plate come Thursday on the PS4. 
uh, had been playing that alpha. And uh, I was one of those people who read about it and even saw it and thought, you know, they're making Borderlands. Halo and Borderlands, you know, basically the same kind of thing that Bungie's been doing over the multiplayer universe. And I got to say that I really, really do enjoy it. Um, th- I think that the game lacks a lot of the loot stuff that you get from Borderlands. Like, I love playing Borderlands, and then, you know, an enemy explodes, and you see all of these things that you can collect that they've given you. But uh, Bungie's game doesn't really have too much of that yet, and I feel like that should be something that is included in a game like Destiny. I think it looks mm-hmm. fantastic. It plays really well. Um, I'm really excited to play it. Um, the beta, which should include more players. And there's a very natural progression to things. You're running around the world and you see people and then like a giant, uh, spider creature will fall out of the, like a robotic spider will fall out of the sky. And if you guys who have never met each other, just start shooting at it, you've been paired together and you start this public event. Very MMO. I mean, the right, when you press right on the pad, you immediately start dancing. This is an MMO. Like they, they right. have made an MMO. Once right. you put slash dance in your game, I guess what you put you made an MMO. So that's the that's the signifier. It is. Uh, I think it's great so far, and uh, I'm really excited to play more. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you calling in. I know you got a, a busy evening, um, and, and we're loving your coverage on Joystick, so keep up the good work there. Uh, do you have any, like, kind of... I know it's early still, first full day, not even full day, first half day of the show, but do you have a, a early pick for game of the show for yourself? Uh, well, we, for the first time, uh, Joystick is going to have its E3 nomination, so people should check out joystick.com. I think one of the contenders, for sure, and maybe this has already been mentioned, is No Man's Sky. I think it mm-hmm. looks outstanding. And that team, yeah. from what they've been able to do from such a small team, and remember, like six months ago, this team had a flood and lost some of their game. And they're yeah. still making this product. Their, yeah. their studio flooded, and I think they lost some of that data. So they're still really committed to this product, and it looks fantastic. That, for me, is one of the most exciting games right here on the show. That and maybe The Division, because that chatter, that gets to me. I think it, they're getting it right. So that looks really good, too. Awesome, man. No argument here. We, uh, we're big fans of No Man's Sky. We were slathering all over it yesterday. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty special. And to think that only five people made that. Five people and a flood made that game. It's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to call, Zav. Uh, really appreciate it. Can't wait to see you again, buddy. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Thanks. Have a nice show. All right. Take it easy. Uh, that was awesome. A little surprise there. And we yeah. got lots of people on the line, so we're going to get to more calls. Remember, you can call in 512-518-5714 all this week. Uh, we'll be doing lots of calls. Um, but let's, uh, let's return to Nintendo briefly, because we, we really should talk about Amigo or Amiibo. Smash <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> right. That's what I said. Didn't, isn't that what I said? Amiibo. Smash Brothers. Christian has Go. an agenda. He wants to push it. Well, isn't aren't they one and the same? Like, isn't Amiibos, you know, isn't Smash Brothers? Smash Brothers Melee back in the day was like, oh, a, a little figurine came to life, and now you can fight with it. And now the figurine came, life left it, and it's back to being a figurine. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm curious how intertwined they are. Obviously, you know, that's what it's launching with uh, the Wii U version of that game is what they're saying right now. Um 
But like if someone has those amazing figures, how does that, what makes Smash, I think, so great and have legs is its competitive scene, right? They're doing a big tournament right now. So to what extent do these figures change that scene where if you really have this awesome Mario, what does that do to it? I think it's cosmetics, but I could be wrong, but I think it's cosmetics. But I played uh, both today, Wii U and 3DS. Um, They had GameCube controllers for the Wii U where I played it. It felt just like Smash. I mean, you know what I mean? I was right back in it getting second or third place uh, (laughs) out of four. It was only multiplayer. And then the 3DS version, I really like the look they went for uh, with like the, the, I I had the black lines turned on, like the thick outline. Um, It's clearly not, you know, HD or whatever, but I went right from the Wii U to the 3DS. And I think in terms of playing that game on a smaller screen, uh, it's great. I think the controls I was playing on was it an XL? I don't remember. I remember thinking the controls felt cramped with trying to, you know. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt that I'm going to get Carpal Tunnel on that game. I mean, I don't even own a, a an XL. I, I feel like I don't know how they could possibly make that game playable on a 3DS, to be quite honest with you. It's it's tough. I felt like the change I would have liked to have seen almost for the 3DS version, and, and purists will hate me for this, but is up as your jump. and But then that changes the whole control scheme. But it's just... The X, Y, A, B buttons are so small on 3DSs that to effectively, I mean, the GameCube controller is great for Smash for a reason. You know, you got the big A, and then it's really easy to get up to those kidney X and Y buttons to jump. And I found that I kept hitting uh, super when I wanted to jump. And so the way I had it laid out is left trigger is grab, right trigger is defend, um, A, B, X, Y are the same uh, as they are on the GameCube or whatever, you know what I mean, traditional controller. But yeah, that small X, Y, A, B layout, um, I struggled for a good, I was playing as Mac, and I struggled with a good part of that match just jumping when I wanted to. But it looks pretty, and I think you'll get used to it. You know, I think it will take a learning curve, but I think uh, I think people will adapt, but it's not as natural as, you know, giving well, you a GameCube controller again. I'm reading here in the in the chat that ETH Demon says you can make up jump if you want. Oh, okay, so well, yeah, like I said. Configurable. Uh, that'd be great. I'd probably would make that change. It's, uh, you know, at the person, the Nintendo rep I had, it's, you know, it's a very guided tour of these games when you're there on the show floor, but mm-hmm. that's awesome. That'd be great. Um, awesome. I, we, we got tons more to talk about. Uh, I, I had hands on with amazing games. I got to see a 45 minute demo of the Witcher three, uh, Bloodborne, uh, Far Cry four, lots of stuff we'll get to in a second, but I do need to thank our sponsor Squarespace, they are the ones that are making this show possible, and uh, we couldn't be more happy to have them as a sponsor. I have been using Squarespace for years and years now, probably eight years, maybe seven or eight. Anyway, they're the place to go if you have any reason to create something online, a, a online destination, a portfolio, a blog, a uh, even a store. They have online commerce, which is super easy. And that's the best thing about Squarespace is they're easy to use. And yet they help you make beautiful, elegant, really cool websites that are unique. They're not just cookie cutter. Yes, they have these templates that you can start with that are really well designed and uh, make creating something elegant and and they give you a good form to start with. But the editing is so easy. It's what you see is what you get. All drag and drop. You just slide stuff around, move stuff here. You start with that template and zip, zip. All of a sudden, you've got something that is unique to you and it is a really cool destination online. Uh, Plus, they have 
24-7 support. So if you run into any issues or you have this idea that you really don't know how to execute, you can call them. You can communicate with them via email or live chat. Uh, they're located in New York City and Dublin. They have different – they were so responsive, which is the cool thing. If you email them, which I have done uh, in the past, and they didn't even know who I was. They emailed me back super quickly, fixed my problem, gave me advice. It's so easy to create something cool with Squarespace. Uh, every site comes with an online store, so if you want to sell something, it's great to just throw something up and make a really cool website very fast. Plans start at only $8 a month. And that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year plan. So you can get everything you need to create your site immediately. And if you want to test it out before you buy it, which I always recommend people do because you'll just love it, uh, you don't require a credit card to get started. So you can just try it out, build a site, and if you like it, then decide to buy it later. There's nothing that's going to automatically charge your credit card after a certain amount of time. No, you just try it. They're so confident in their product that they give it to you to try for free. And that's really free. Uh, it's great. And we're going to help you out uh, because you listen to this show. If you go to squarespace.com slash DLC and you use the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, Jeff sent me, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And that's awesome. Uh, plus, you'll show support for our show. And that is much appreciated. We love Squarespace. I honestly have been using them for years. I use them every day. JeffCanada.com is on Squarespace and has been for years. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to to use the web without it, quite honestly. I'm too lazy. <laughs> it's too easy to use Squarespace now that I've been using it for so long. Uh, so try it out. Squarespace.com slash DLC. Use that promo code Jeff sent me and it will uh, it will help us and we will certainly appreciate that. Uh, okay, guys. Um, Corey, what, uh, what have you seen from home that uh, you're excited about that uh, you, you know, what, what's, what's got you buzzing about E3? Did you know that I was obsessed with Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2? I kind of had heard that through the grapevine. Yes, sir, I yeah, did. Yeah, so I want to talk to you about Bloodborne, like, a lot. Like, a whole lot. <laughs> well, I, are you, you guys like... probably talked about it a lot yesterday, but I demand that we spend at least 30 seconds talking about it. Well, we talked about it yesterday. Dan was on, you know, he's he's uh, yeah. similarly Dark Souls uh, obsessed. And uh, we talked about how disappointed we were that at the press conferences yesterday that there was only this CG trailer. Um, well, right. I... I heard through the grapevine that Sony was showing, uh, you know, behind closed doors gameplay. So I rushed over there today and it is true. The game is fully, fully playable and they have a guided, it's, it's not hands-on, it's hands-off, but it's, it's the game and it's being played. Um, How Dark Souls is it? Is it a Souls game? I think it is. Now, I've heard other people describe it differently. Now, here's the thing you really need to know. Again, it okay. is not hands-on. It is somebody else playing the game. and. That person that they had playing during my session, I don't know about other people's, but I suspect it's probably the same person. Uh, they are playing on God mode, right? So they can't die. And the <laughs> way that person was playing would have killed them many times over. Uh, and I think they sort of just rush up and smack stuff and slash at it. And I think that it's giving some people the wrong impression of how the game plays because that person okay. just ran up and, and played it that way, which you would never be able to do. They, they, this person was getting their ass handed to them, quite honestly. Uh, but they, they weren't dying because they're, you know, on God mode. They're on God mode with no HUD. So you, we didn't even see uh, any kind of health meter or anything like that for them or the monsters or anything. It really was just a demonstration of the environments, of the kinds of enemies. 
and the and the combat. So a lot, I mean, I I heard from people saying, "Oh my gosh, it's so much more arcadey than than Dark Souls," and I think that that's inaccurate. I think that's just based on this particular person's play style. You're you're chalking that up to the demo, demonstration environment where like it it would take forever to demo like a Souls game and playing patiently and that sort of thing. I exactly. I can see that. Exactly, um, and they're trying to get through a large chunk of it, and they're ju- and they're just rushing into these enemies when they jump out, and you know, you which you would never be able to do. Right. I I I saw the 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 leaked footage that came out, I guess, a couple weeks ago. I I saw the cinematic at the the Sony press conference. This is the game that's going to sell me a PlayStation Four. I mean, well, it's not going to be hard to do that. I really want a PlayStation Four. It's just like finding the time to actually play stuff on it. But I really, really want this game. Dude, like, I will I will follow awesome. from software like to the depths of hell or to <laughs> well, like, that's kind of where it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, check. Very appropriate. Um, I'm super so here, excited the about thing that. About um, it. It, it is. I'm sure you got this sense from the leaked footage, but it is very much a Victorian game. It's Dark Souls Van Helsing edition. Right. Uh, you, I, you are, I looked at it and thought it was like Vampire Hunter D at first, or or like yeah, an anime exactly. Like that. It's it's very much that you, you're fighting uh, werewolves and beasts of that ilk and you and you're outfitted with like trench coats and uh, fedoras and uh you know and you, you like crossbows and shotguns and stuff and it it feels very much that milieu there's there's like horse-drawn carriages everywhere and very gothic victorian buildings uh which i was just eating up i loved it it was very you know lovecraftian and i just felt like that's the perfect the perfect venue for this, these very Gothic game is put it in a Gothic setting and it looked spectacular on the, on the PS4. I mean, it just, it just was so beautiful. Yes. The frame rate was low. You're probably going to read that from a lot of places, but it's so early that that's not going to be an issue. Um, The other big thing, and this, I walked up to the designer afterwards and asked them point blank, is there shields in the game? Because first of all, if you're in the sort of 19th century shields, wouldn't really be appropriate. Um, And they straight up said, no, there are no shields in the game. We made a conscious decision to not have shields and to make the game. He said his exact phrasing was, we wanted the combat to be more aggressive. Huh. So uh, you do have the shotgun, which doesn't, it's not a shooter. This is not a shooter. The shotgun behaves like, you know, like a melee blast. You don't, right. you don't really, you're not going to be picking people off from a distance particularly. Um, but you also aren't, going to be turtling as much as that's pretty much how i play dark souls so uh that's a little scary to me you still have the dive roll i saw that on display um but it seems that they have made a decision to try to push people into combat rather than just staying back and and you know taking it i mean it could be that or it could be that they're making changes to the souls formula right yeah. Um, which, which I also think would be interesting. Like, I don't, I don't need this to be a souls game. Uh, I need it to be a from software game and I, I will play really whatever they end up making. I, they, I just, they just totally have my confidence in whatever they do next. Um, so I, I think that sounds really interesting. Uh, I really wish it were coming to PC, especially when you mentioned low frame rates. Um, yeah. well, the best I don't thing about dark that's... souls two was the 60 frame rate, man. Yeah, I don't think that that's going to be. I mean, I think it's early, too early to to judge that's that. Fair. But uh, the enemies were so cool, and it seemed like there was much more world, sort of scripted world things that you encounter. Not not to say that there were cutscenes or anything particularly, but we, you know, he, he walked down through this castle and made a a, a 
turn and there was kind of a bridge. And if you looked over the side, there were processioners walking with torches and they were all marching down the road. And then they get to this beast that they had killed and they set it on fire. And so there's this kind of narrative happening in the world that you can, he's like, well, we better not go down there because they'll all turn and attack you. So, you know, it, it seems like there was more of that, not just, you know, not just an NPC standing there waiting for you to kill everything in the room before you, you know, spam your way through its dialogue options, uh, <laughs> you know, which is very Dark Souls. Uh, it, it, it really felt like the world was more alive than that, which was interesting. And there were lots of different monsters that they showed. Um, these terrifying uh, guys with like scythes and sickles. Uh, there were um, those dogs that you've seen from the trailer and from the leaked screenshots. And uh, there were these giant ravens that were like enormous dragon sized ravens with feathers that were, you know, really amazing detail in the feather work that were fluttering around. Uh, and and, I, and the, it ended with a huge boss fat battle uh, with this thing that was like lopsided and had one arm that was much too big. But it was all very gothic. It wasn't you didn't seem demons as much as it right. seemed, you know, creatures of the night and uh, you let Lovecraft or or. Uh, you know, vampires and werewolves and stuff like that. It, it was, it was really, really cool. Yeah. No, I, it sounds really interesting to me. Um, maybe, and I don't know if you played enough to be able to tell, did it seem like the environment was just bleak and depressing? Or when you say that it felt more alive, was there actually like some more energy to it? Cause the one thing I think about no. with dark souls is that things are just going to be bleak and, and dour. No, it was definitely bleak. <laughs> it was, All right. it was very, it, I mean, it was more, <laughs> More alive in that. An there NPC was, didn't was, show up and go, "Hey, let me show you how to swing your sword now." Or something. Like <laughs> no. That. Okay. No, nothing like that. It was. It, I mean, it was dark. It was. It. It looked like. Uh, it looked like Jack the Ripper is what it. It felt like. You know, it's like those okay. dark London streets in the 19th century, uh, and around every corner there might be a torch light, but there's something awful doing something in the corner there, and you don't want to go next to it. It, it was very foreboding and and the tone was was super dark but it just felt like there was more stuff happening in the world like the narrative was living despite you you know or you know without you actively triggering it that sounds cool did i i, I just want this game and they, they're not they're just saying 2015 right they're not saying he said, he said uh, early 2015 oh what he said oh yeah. that's good news that's really good news yeah uh, Christian, uh, what, than, else did you, than, what else did you play? Um, so I took it upon myself to be the driving game representative because I love I love driving games. Um, one, oh, let me say this because I bought it and it's incredible. And I think people, it's cool during press conferences when games are like, and they're available now. But then I think sometimes people get they get lost in the shuffle. Man, if you have a PlayStation Four and ten bucks sitting around, get entwined. It is gorgeous it is so awesome and if you're at home you can play it right now it's so good to me it's kind of like fez meets journey meets flower with a little bit of nights into dreams thrown in if that sounds cool to you at all give this game check this game out man i i love i love entwined uh it's really great that said, was, driving games wasn't, at the sh- wasn't that cool how they like just announced a game and said, "Here it is for free." Like you thought you were just going to hear about things that are happening in the future, but here's this game. Like that's either like a huge sign of confidence in that small little ten dollar indie game, or they just found something that they could put out today or yesterday. Either way, I thought I that was really cool. cool. 
Yeah. Even if yeah. it was just like, well, we got so, it, I, just the idea that everybody's sitting at home watching those streams, wants something new to play. Here is something new to play. I think that's great. And I hope people did that and didn't just keep getting caught up in the slow excited for 2015. It's, it's, I, you know, I've yet to digest all of it, but for where I am in it right now, if you like any of those games that I mentioned, um, it is right up there to me right now. This game is brilliant. It's challenging, but chill and really gorgeous. Um, great sound direction. Definitely check out entwined. Uh, it's really, really, really cool game. Um, and then I spent time today doing Drive Club, doing Forza Horizon 2, and doing The Crew. And what shocked me the most is I think Drive Club looked the best. Wow. And what's hard about Drive Club, Jeff, kind of like, you know, um, Bloodborne, is I think Drive Club is a hard game to demo necessarily what makes it unique because the crew and drive club and, and horizon two are are similar games in a lot of respects where they're not the most realistic arcadey i mean <laughs> not the most realistic sim racing game they're also not burnout need for speed level of arcadiness where i think the crew maybe goes that route the furthest but they're kind of cruising across america and then the crew, you know, of course, customization and all the different parts for your cars and how you want to outfit it or whatever. Um, but then what makes Drive Club, and apparently and the, the developer I talked to today too, or the representative, I should say, um, confirmed or reiterated the reason why the game was deplay, delayed was nailing that social feature where, you, you know, you have your crew and your crew gets reputation. And when someone from your crew wins, you win. And it, it's kind of like a... I'm not a huge cycling fan, so I don't, uh, the term for the group of cyclists, like Lance Armstrong wins it because he was cheating, but everyone else on the U.S. postal team, you know, helps him, whatever, there's a name for that group Velodrome, of Velodrome, Velodrome. <laughs> yeah, the Velodrome, welcome to the, vel no, not that. Um, it doesn't matter what the term is, but you know what I mean? It's like, it has that type of support, right, where you and I could be in a crew together and my job is to block out or something, right? And like, I get success when you get that doesn't demo well on stage. And I still think that is the big question mark for the game. But I thought it controlled. It had a really great mix of arcade slash sim. The graphics, I think, are stunning. If you like playing in car, which I think is my preferred way to play a racing game, there is like dirt reflecting off of the windshield for when you're in cockpit view, which I don't think I've ever seen done before to this level of realism it was you'd come around a bend and the sun would be there and you could see, it was like you had a windshield and it was incredible forza 2 on the other hand i i mean they the tire physics type of how they ground you to the road with the rumble triggers forza horizons 2 i should say it, it feels great if you liked forza 5 it's it, or horizon it feels very similar the addition of the rumble triggers is awesome for when you're going off road and back on road Graphically, I, I don't think this demo looked as good as Forza 5 looked. I, it, they entered that, you know, they have dynamic weather, which Drive Club also has. Um, and I went through a part where it rained. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, Killzone Shadowfall rain, but it looked like that. Oh. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was not Oof. it was it was not pretty looking rain. And I, again, play cockpit view and I feel like the the race that I was doing for Horizons 2, it took me through this field, this high 
really tall wheat or grass field was the way that the the drive line took me through. And I feel like I was at a huge disadvantage to any racers that were playing from the third person backed up view because I couldn't see two feet in front of my face. I was just plowing through hay. And at one point I hit like a, a shrub that you couldn't go through. And I feel like if I had been in rear cam, like trail cam, I could have avoided that. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. And then rounding it up with the crew, I think would make the crew, what makes the crew cool is the customization. If you're into that, I think that's great. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy the crew, the way you can get in and tweak so many parts of your car while they're still licensed cars and, and go out and cruise across the country. Tweaking, overly tweaking has never been my favorite part about racing games. Like in Forza, I don't go in and fine tune everything. I kind of do the auto tune and then make tweaks from there. Um, but I don't nerd out on like every little detail. And then the cruise details aren't necessarily racing authentic, but it's like, do you want it to be off-roady, more off-roady, or how do you want to gear it out? But I think if you like that stuff, the crew will be for you. To me, the game felt, and and I know, I Jeff, I tweeted about Far Cry 4, about the load times on that demo, and you're like, yeah, it's a demo. So again, same for this. The crew, this is a, this is a demo. But I felt, to me, of the th- those three racing games that I think are the marquee racing games of this E3, the crew felt less there, if that makes sense. Like, And I played all of them with the controller because I wanted that experience with it. And just something about it felt not quite polished to the same level as Drive Club or um, Horizons 2. But, man, it's a a good time to be a racing fan because I think all three of these games could end up being stellar. But at this point, my choo-choo is behind Drive Club, which I now have two E3 t-shirts from, neither of which fits. <laughs> Dude, too, I forgot to do our E3 theme song. I'm I completely skinny. forgot. Zach, <laughs> dro- drop the theme song. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to do that. I love that so much. That oh, was my chatter. Awesome. Person who, that was. <laughs> oh, sorry, Corey. The person in the chat that says, "Yeah, no kidding. Of course, you can't see through the tall grass and cockpit view." Yeah, I know that's how it'd be in real life. But in real life, we'd all be experiencing that same condition because we'd all be in our cars, and a guy I'm competing against wouldn't have a trail cam that can see over it. That's that's the point I'm making. Is that I feel like in that game, you're at a competitive disadvantage. If you're in, in a trail life, cam, you can't really it brings you through tall grass. They, the society <laughs> frowns upon that. So I play video games to get away from real life. <laughs> well, perfect. But that's your, that's your, I don't know, you know, Corey, are you a racer at all? I mean, are you deep like PC scene racer, like real racing or? I'm not. I've, I've played some like, like Formula One. Uh, I think it was F1 2013 that came out last year, which was fun, but I'm not, I'm not that racing You heard him guy. say Dark Souls, right? Right, Christian? yeah. I'm, I'm more. I think there's I'm very little Souls. crossover. Very little crossover between Dark Souls aficionados. I want to meet the guy who's like deep into flight sim or like racing sim, like deep into NASCAR and deep into Dark Souls, and like wants a, a merge of the two. Really I do. Amazing. I do one of two things. I'm either playing Microsoft Flight Sim 2000 or Dark Souls. Oh, <laughs> what, what do I feel like? like well, today? okay, you're alienating everybody else, but that's cool. You're going to start a podcast. No, um, I, I mean, it sounds it, it's it sounds like you are deep on racing games, and those actually all sound like pretty legitimate thoughts. Like, I I, I think. Yeah, I just I, I I think it's a really good time to have any racing games, frankly. 
Um, and I wouldn't be able to differentiate between the three of them as deeply as you have. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to the phones. We've got a ton of people online. I want to hear what people, uh, want to talk about. Uh, there's somebody online from the 202 area code. What is your name? Where are you calling from? And, uh, what do you want to talk about for E3? Hey, uh, how's it going? My name is, uh, my name is Will Rumford. I'm, uh, calling from, uh, Minneapolis. And, uh, I just have a question for you guys about, uh, if I'm considering, uh, getting a console, uh, getting a PS4, cause I'm still on the past, past generation. And, uh, just wondering, based on what you've seen so far, what would you recommend in terms of, uh, in terms of getting a new console and what games really get you the most excited for a particular console? Well, that's a heavy question, right? It, you know, I, I think you can't go wrong with the PS4, and I find myself playing multi-platform games on the PS4, but if you are really jazzed about what you've seen of Sunset Overdrive, for example, or Project Spark, or Fable Legends, uh, then obviously you don't want the console where you can't play those. Uh, and all of the, well, Project Spark and Fable Legends aren't this year, but... Uh, you know, project or um, Sunset Overdrive is this year, and and that's a lot of. It seems like a really fun game. I think you can't go wrong either way. They're both the same price now. Um, so, what do you what do you guys think, Corey? What, what would you say, Mister PC? So, <laughs> it may surprise you to hear that I think you should get a PC. Um, <laughs> and in fact, like it, it something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about at this at this E three is Alienware announced their Steam machine. They actually announced like the specs for it and stuff. It's going to be like five hundred and fifty dollars for the the starting configuration, and it's going to ship this year in time for the holiday and have Windows on it and like come with an Xbox controller and be all ready for like Steam OS when that happens in twenty fifteen. Um, there's there's a lot of really good games on the PC, man. And a lot of the stuff that is, that's coming to the consoles, a lot of stuff that Microsoft and Sony showed in their press conferences is also coming to the PC. So, almost all of it. Almost all of it. I mean, almost any all multi-platform of it. There game, are a few yeah. exclusives, and those will be enough to convince me to get a console. But the PC feels really good right now, man. Come over and join us. But can you get a PC for 400 bucks that will play games that look as good on that PC as they do on the PS4 and Xbox One? You can well, okay. You can come awfully close, and it, there's chances are pretty good he has a PC now that can play a lot of stuff decently. Like it's it's not the arms race that it used to be on the PC. You'd be surprised how well optimized optimized a lot of games are. Cool. Um, look at pull up the console exclusives that are made a, that you're aware of right now. Do a pro and con list. Like this is a great question. A lot of people have it, and I think it's one that you can answer easily yourself um, but sometimes I think it just takes someone reinforcing that idea you know sit down know what your budget is look at the exclusives and the time frame they're coming out and make your decision based off that the wild card being where are your friends because I still think that's important as much as in my opinion Microsoft has botched what made the Xbox 360 uh, friend experience so great with the Xbox one and they're getting it better with the updates um, you know, in terms of partying, but see where your friends are and go that route. Christian says, be a sheep. Yes. Be a sheep. Do what your friends tell you to do. (laughs) Do what your friends do. They're all jumping off a bridge. Friends is important (laughs) for me with my money and my taste for exclusives. I would recommend a PlayStation four over an Xbox one at this point. And the reasons are uncharted. The order looks amazing. I love The Last of Us. I'm going to get Last of Us remastered. I just talked about Drive Club being good. There's 
likely going to be a God of War. I really like Sony exclusives over um, announced Microsoft exclusives. That that said, I played some Sunset Overdrive today, and that game still is high on my hype wagon. Um, I thought it was really, really fun to sit down. The wagon go behind the train? I don't understand. I don't understand (laughs) the the vehicular hierarchy. I'm sorry. So Um, it's space shuttles. (laughs) <laughs> then it's then it's uh, eggs. Lady Gaga is carried into music award shows. Is just under space shuttles, and then so tell me about else. playing. Tell me about playing uh, Sunset Overdrive because I I don't I think I'm playing that tomorrow or Thursday. So I didn't get any hands on with the single player, which I know is available in a round. But I played kind of their horde mode. Um, yeah, whatever the horde mode of the game. And to me, the biggest two two surprises. One. I thought it controlled extremely well. I was nervous, and we talked yesterday, Jeff, about whether or not it's too easy or too hard to pull off these moves. I think they had the right mix. Like, it's not, you know, it's not even as as magnety as, say, Infamous or some Sucker Punch games where it's like you're near a rail, you're on it. Like, Infamous 1 especially, it's like you couldn't jump over a power line sometimes because <laughs> it would pull you to it. It's not that sticky. It's also, it does help you, though, right, a little bit. It's not you know, pinpoint accuracy, you better land this Rayman Legends platforming jump or else you're going to die or fall. I think they strike that balance really well. I was really happy with that and how it controlled. Um, The thing that shocked me is that the game, I feel like, moves much slower when you're actually playing it than it looks in the demos I've seen. And the Mm. demos are running in real time. It's not as if they sped up the demos, but I think when you saw, you know, when Ted was playing it, he knew his line, right? Like that, he, he, I imagine he knows that level or that environment better than almost anyone else. And so he knew like this power line takes me to this grind box, takes me to this rail that I can hop off this car. Whereas when I was playing it, you know, it's kind of like the first time I played Titanfall and you can see some of the amazing Titanfall free runners now on YouTube videos. And the first time I played it, it was like wall run, double jump, rocket boost, wall run. I'm in a corner. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I had some of that in this horde mode where I was like, got a sick line going. And now I jump over to this power line and I'm in a corner getting killed by a berserk. <laughs> this sticks. Right. Uh, but I think it's that balance. It, it's it's a slower grind, uh, grind speed. So and even Yeah. Than even the Insomniac Ratchet games where I feel like, you know, you're really zipping along. But I think because of that, that helps make the controls as smooth as they are. I don't know if you could zip around that quickly and still feel like you're in control. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. But I'm, I'm excited, man. It's, it's beautiful. The weapons are fun. I think, I'm, hopefully was, you'll get some single player. Let me know how that is. There was some of that in, uh, in Bioshock Infinite when you'd be like on the rails and the sense of speed was phenomenal, but... Sometimes you'd be going so fast, you'd be like, oh, I want to shoot that guy. Oh, there he goes. Okay, I didn't. I, I didn't <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to shoot the deck. Oh, no, 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 I didn't, didn't aim fast enough. I, okay. I don't, I don't, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's much slower than Bioshock, and that seems jarring at first, but I think that's why is that they want you to be able to shoot people, not like, yeah. I think that's why all those tracks in that game were a big loop, because he's like, all right, next time around, I'm really going to aim at him. I'm going to, oh, there he went. He moved. He's on the other side. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so I want to talk Witcher 3. I want to talk some more stuff. But let me get uh, – there's a bunch of people on, on the line here. So I want to hear what people are excited to hear about more than anything else. And I got somebody on the line from uh, 614 Area Code. Uh, you are on the line. You are on the air, I should say. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? And what do you want to talk about? This is Jim from Cincinnati. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? 
very well. Great. Thanks for calling. Wonderful. Love the show as always. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about Sony yesterday. It was an up and down press conference for sure. But uh, the one thing, uh, the one drop the mic moment that I thought might be coming is when they started talking about the camera. And they said, hey, this camera's great. It's been wonderful. Did anyone else think that they might actually try to include the camera in the 399 as a bundle? Yes. Uh, to do the opposite of what Xbox did? <laughs> That's a hilarious idea. If they were like, <laughs> yeah, Microsoft just let, let their camera out of the box and we're putting ours in the box. Uh, that would have been pretty hilarious. It would have been uh, the second year in a row that they would have seemed like they were just spiting Microsoft, right? Like, yeah. They, they announced the lower price last year and it was just like, well, this is why you don't get an Xbox One. But <laughs> I, I still don't know what you'd do with the camera, honestly. Yeah, I think then then they would have been like, well, I mean, I think the killer app for the camera is Twitch integration. And in that sense, you know, putting that button on the controller. Well, it is Morpheus as well. uh, And I will be seeing that uh, on Thursday. I'm very excited. But um, yeah, the the that is really the killer app. But I think for now, the killer app is the fact that there's a freaking share button on the box on the controller that everybody can use. And you know, half the fun of sharing stuff is, you know, putting yourself in it as well. So that, I mean, that's why I ran out and bought a, one of those cameras. <laughs> right? What can I put myself in? <laughs> yeah, well, sad, sad but true. Um, all right, let's, let's get to The Witcher 3. Were you, a, I, I can only guess that you were a huge fan of Witcher 2, right, Corey? Yes. Yes, I yeah. am. And I'm so, so excited with everything that I've seen on Witcher 3. Well, this game here's is going to what... be really great, I think. Yeah, here's what is so genius about the CD Projekt Red guys is that they have these behind the uh, behind closed doors demos where you go in and you sit in the room and they show you 45 minutes of the game. And it's not a vertical slice and it's not a composed thing. I mean, I'm sure it it is in a, in its own way, but it's it it literally picks up the moment that the trailer that they showed at the press conference ends, you know, after the fight with the Griffin and he's got the trophy oh, on the wow. back of his horse. It picks up from that moment and then they just play the game for 45 minutes. How do They're- you top that moment though in a demo? Like he, he just hunted a Griffin and now like, okay, go out in the world and explore. And like well, kind of sucks the air out of the room, doesn't it? Well, I mean, it's, it's nice that you didn't see that moment right before the, it starts. They just go, yeah, this picks up from the moment after. Do you guys all remember that thing? And we're like, oh yeah, it was awesome. And then you go, here's really the next moment. moment? Yeah. You're done with that now. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, you're basically turning that quest in. You're you're walking back into town and you go into they show you they, what they said is the largest city on the world map in Witcher 3. And it's massive. I mean, it's just this massive, booming, bustling city with life and people talking and kids running by and animals. And it's insane level of detail. And you're walking through on your horse with your cool Griffin trophy on the back. And then you reach the in and you get off and you you walk in and you talk to this guy and there's a dialogue sequence and he's like okay thanks for doing the griffin thing but i have another thing for you to do there is this person who's being terrorized by this creature and and which like well what's the creature's name he says it's johnny <laughs> he's like johnny cool. it's like yeah he, he looks like a 10 year old boy and the witch is like ah okay i've heard of those before those are like you know whatever name for the, these creatures so you go out and uh, they said that they did a fast load. This is the one moment where they, you know, they didn't just play. They had to did a fast load, but, but they did the fast load like you would do fast travel in the game. You, you walk to a signpost and you can fast travel to any previous destination you visited. And they, they showed the distance 
that you go you have to go to get to this place and it is ridiculous that he he stand, they have um uh Gerald stand on this peak or this hill and he looks out at this mountain that is way 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 in the distance and they said you see that mountain there and everybody was like yeah and he goes where we're going is 14 times farther away than that mountain is (laughs) right now it's like insane he goes if we galloped there it would take 30 minutes at a full gallop to get there so fast travel there and it's this swamp that is stunning to look at it's murky it's misty it's got these thin uh, dead looking trees everywhere level of environment detail in this game is off the hook and you we walk into the environment and all of a sudden these crazy drowned looking creatures attack you and he goes through the combat uh, and it's that witcher combat that you know and love you know we get the one sword for human characters the silver sword for creatures he's got the uh, the signs which is their magic system you know the same signs fire and force push and traps and all that stuff and then he gets to this really cool cutscene, and I think that's what's so wonderful about the way they demo this game is that they allow the writing to really shine because you're sitting there and you're having this long experience with the game. It's not like, bam, 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 we're just trying to show you the best bits, oh, we're going to skip over this, bam, bam, get you the best bit. They really let you see how a quest develops. And the writing in this game is fantastic the use of language you find this little creature and he's in this you know you have to track him like the witcher does and you find his little hole his little hole in the swamp and he comes out and it's totally creepy the way it comes out and it's using really cool angles that they you know the way they shoot everything and and he's lost his voice and so you have to first you have to go and get his voice back for him uh and you know i won't describe everything that you see because like i said it was 45 minutes but Eventually, you're fighting all these other kinds of creatures, and you're going up this mountain, and there's, like, mountain climbing in the game now. You, now you can use – the traversal includes a sort of um, – it's not uncharted level, but it's close to, like, you know, climbing up things and scaling the sides of, of buildings and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, it, it really shows how this thing develops. And then you – once you, you get the Johnny character's voice back for him, this creepy little 10-year-old boy that's, like, this weird-looking – demon boy uh he takes you to this just the person you want to have have a voice <laughs> exactly well that's what they even they even made a comment about that he's like i don't know if that was the best idea and like he anyway i won't spoil anything but uh so then he takes you to this old crone who's really the one who's going to help you and uh she has this weird communion with this with this tapestry there's three uh there's three women portrayed on the tapestry and she like touches it and then speaks in their voices and and then they come to life and you have to go and convince this guy to help you out and he cuts his own ear off to make an offering to the three creatures like the the things you're doing the quests the the writing of the game the dialogue is really well written and it just it's the game that i've i want it's the game i want most in the world right now i i it's gorgeous <laughs> the combat system looks challenging and interesting in a dark soulsy kind of way and the writing is actually interesting and and good so i hope they put that on the box this is the game i want the most in the world right now Dash, <laughs> yeah there you go There's what a great box, box quote, quote. 
<laughs> no, it, it looks it looks absolutely fantastic. And and every time I see any bit of information on it, it's like, wow, this this seems too good to be true. This seems like they're gonna have to scale this down at some at some point, right? Like, okay, it, it looks really big and complicated and amazing right now, but they're gonna have to watchdogs this and bring it back down to earth before it actually ships, right? And you know what? They probably won't. It'll probably come out so. and it will be this huge and this epic. And it may not be perfect because Witcher 2 had a few issues that they had to fix in patches and stuff like that, but it'll be good. Yeah. I, I really cannot wait. The well, biggest you can shocker those- for me at the end of that demo, Jeff, is when they, Witcher walked out of the woods and got into his spaceship and flew to No Man's Sky and landed on another planet and my head literally exploded. No, could you? Oh, my God. the anyway, same game. That's the game I want. That's the game I need. Like, imagine if No Man's Sky had that depth. I, I mean, I, I say I want it, but if I played it, I would never do this show again because I would be divorced still playing that game. Like, I would never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. It, it, it just looks gigantic, interesting, dense well written my only my only complaint and i've never i've never really liked uh, this is the witcher's vo is like he's he's just gravelly voiced guy and it's a little hearing that for that many hours in a game how, is a little, how would you how would you do his voice jeff no hello i'm the witcher <laughs> hey <laughs> you were gonna do you did a, an audiobook where you did like 65 voices and i give you the opportunity to do a sincere <laughs> witcher voice that's, that's my audition don't i don't understand why i didn't get it i was like that witcher, i'm going to fight all the monsters no okay. gerald shows up with like a clown wig on it's, it's pretty good it's like a fright wig uh, i'd play a whole witcher game if he sounded like uh, uh jerry lewis honestly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're leaving. Was, like, I'd play yeah. that. I'd play Ivan, 120 Ivan. hours. Professor Frank, the the the, the RP. <laughs> um, so, are are you calling that game of the show, or is it too early? It's well, it's too early for me. I mean, I I, I think no man no man's sky, as as Christian pointed out, it makes a real strong bid. Um, I you know I I think Far Cry Four makes a strong bid. Um, yeah. you, it, did you played it right, Christian? Yeah, I played uh, the demo. I don't know how different they are. I played it was part of my Sony um, booth day tour. Um, Did you have the three options: ride, fly, yes. sneak? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which what did, did you? I did. I did ride and fly. I did fly and sneak, and then I only made it partway through sneak because, again, I know it's a demo, but those load times, bro. Sneak, I got killed twice, and the second time I got killed, I was just like done <laughs> i yeah, couldn't I'm not gonna do stand another here load. for seven minutes while the thing loads yeah no it was the load times were really long but i mean i even mentioned it to the to the guy who was running the demo he's like yeah yeah that's we're we're working on that so did you guys yeah. get to try any of the co-op no so that i know no. i know like my boss evan lottie played the co-op uh with another editor of our editor of ours uh i think he played it last night at the ubisoft event and said Ooh. it was really cool. It was it was cool to see how everything interacted. I know other people have actually ridden uh, an elephant. Yeah, um, I, re- I rode an elephant, and then I got off that elephant and let it stampede through the town, which was very fun as well. That's a good feeling. That's yeah, good feeling. And, and I'm not normally like a Far Cry guy. Like they're they're fine, I suppose. But everything I see about this, it just sounds more and more interesting. And I, I'm I'm really interested in that that antagonist, the guy that Troy Baker is voicing. Yeah. Very bizarre and, and different. The Absolutely. game's gorgeous too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they so always pretty. they always nail it. They always make those games look gorgeous. Did you Far Cry three on PC, Jeff? I did. 
because I, I feel like Far Cry 4, who knows? I don't know what it was running off of. I didn't ask. Um, it was a PlayStation 4 controller, and then the console was, I couldn't see. So it might have been a, a PC dev kit. doesn't matter. Um, but I feel like the Far Cry 4 looks slightly better than how I was able to play Far Cry 3 on my PC. I wasn't at the top settings, but, you know, up there. Um, but yeah, what they're getting out, representing to be on console it looks it still has far cry 3 to me had that kind of it's not the wet shine i don't know what it's like a a glow kind of objects have in far cry 3 like it still has that but the vistas like when you're flying you could see far uh in that little pilot helicopter bike thing or whatever it uh it does look pretty yeah it it definitely does and it just seems like there's so so many interesting concepts. I mean, riding an elephant is, is pretty rad. It was pretty fun. <laughs> Did you like doing the sneak part or no? I didn't try that one. Well, that's, I mean, I, I messed up. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. minute's a story or whatever, and it's true. And I came around, uh, uh, gosh, what was it? I think it was like a, a staircase, something like that. And I just came around and cleared it wrong, and uh, I died super quick. Because, I mean, Far Cry, you know, if you're if you're dumb you die quickly it's not like you're packing tons of health and it was like hold triangle to heal and i just didn't make it yeah. and then it was loading and i yeah. <laughs> i was done that's exactly how i ended my my playstation with it too is that i had tried both of the things and then i died once and i was like i already made the guy behind me stand here yeah. for like 20 minutes just looking at a loading screen yeah. so i'm gonna i'm not gonna be that that guy um but but I'll tell you this, I came home and the first thing I did is I reinstalled Far Cry 3 on my PC because I, I just want to have more of that experience <laughs> right now. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's get, a, let's get another call in here. Uh, I got a call on the line from uh, 323 area code. Um, what is your name? Where are you calling from? And what are you buzzing about for E3? Hey, guys, it's Raj from uh, Reckonine.com.au. Hey, Raj! Uh, Raj is <laughs> here from Melbourne and uh, was was one of the guys that helped me out when I was at uh, PAX Australia, and we've been hanging out here. Um, you were telling me about No Man's Sky and some extra info that you got about that game. Yeah, right at the end of the first day, uh, Sean Murray from Hello Games was sitting down at the playstation sort of area where they had like a live sort of theater set up and he was talking all no man's sky and this game has got me sold there is it is just incredible so with 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 what the trailer had shown um i think a lot of people had all these questions around what's the gameplay mechanics you know how is everything going to work and you know is there any gameplay mechanic in there at all yet and and he sort of went into a bit more detail about uh, they, everything that you saw, those dinosaurs, the little animals running around, that they're actually things that can be quite hostile or uh, can can affect the you know your life in the game as such, and and will attack you if you you know go ahead and start shooting at them or um, uh, antagonize them in a certain way, and then you know then jumping up into your ship, you saw saw them fly past a stream of freighters for a while and he said, well, I could have attacked those if I wanted to and then as a reward for uh, blowing them up, then I would have been given some sort of monetary sort of thing which I could use to upgrade something else and and then on, uh, further to that, they went into things like uh, uh, 
playing this game online, I think some people are getting the impression that this is sort of like an MMO thing, and, and they, they really shot that down, which was interesting. Um, yes, we're all playing in a in a, a, a the same universe, but it is so infinitely large that the likelihood of coming across another player, he said, is almost next to nothing, which was I found really fascinating. Um, he said that the the planets are literally the size of a planet. So if uh, if there's a million people online, even if they were all on the same planet, then you know you're going to be quite a fair distance apart from each other. Now, if you times that by each person getting their own basic world when they start the game up, um, the, the likelihood you're going to cross paths is 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 very small. Um, and then uh, the the last thing that they ended with was that as you travel around between these different planets and things like that, you can choose to share your discovery of a new planet with everyone else playing the game, or you can keep it a secret. Um, But by sharing it, you actually update what is sort of a global star map that everyone gets to use to travel between planet to planet. Um, And the first person that actually loads this game up when it comes out, when they hit that map screen, it's completely blank. There's going to be absolutely nothing on it because they haven't actually explored or shared any worlds with anyone. But it's just phenomenal what these guys are doing. Um, I really hope it gets uh, a release alongside of Morpheus or something like that, um, because I think that would be really a big sell point for them. And uh, when they did bring up the the release time, he was a little bit sketchy, so they had an internal timeline um, that they were working towards, but they didn't want to really put it out there just in case that slipped or perhaps there was another flood. Um, but yeah, it was really, really compelling stuff. Um, uh, to me, game of the show so far by far. Wow. Yeah. That just sounds absolutely amazing. And I think that's, that's really the only question mark that I had up to this point was for everything they've shown, there doesn't seem to be any goals, you know, and, and I, I wondered if it was sort of that make your own fun kind of expectation of is exploring going to be enough. And I'm a guy who loves exploring in games, but I, I feel like focus and um, a, a sense of intention is necessary to, to really make the exploration have any kind of meaning. Uh, and it sounds like they got their heads in the right place. It, it's funny. I was having a conversation in line today uh, with uh, another journalist and we were, uh, we were talking about what we liked from yesterday. And one of the things we mentioned that we didn't talk about on yesterday's DLC is how that guy, the developer, when he came out on stage at Sony, how his speech, his little words that he had to say was so inspiring and so awesome. And it felt so honest and earnest and from the heart that when you hear other developers say some of those things, you go, that's BS. An infinitely large game. Pfft, yeah, right. But when you hear him say it, it's like, oh, I, I believe it. Yeah, let's five dudes doing that. Sure. Yeah, do it, man. I, I go for it. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Completely. I, I think him being on stage yesterday, it was almost like he was in shock. He, he to be from from a group of small developers of four or five on the team, and then and then now standing on the the world stage in front of millions of people about this tiny little game that they've been working on with well. It's not tiny, it's infinite, but it's uh, he just looked humble, and and uh, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with what he said. And he was exactly the same this afternoon. He was very sincere, very honest. You could see him sort of um, almost surprised again for the fact that he was here doing this. Uh, yeah, I, I really feel uh, a lot to this guy and, and and the team and what they're doing. It's it's really good. 
Very cool. I, I can't thank you enough for calling in with that report, Raj. Um, I'm so excited to hear that. I, I can't wait to get my hands on that game if they're, if they're letting people do that or, or at least find out more. But uh, that, was, that was awesome. Thanks for calling in, buddy. No pleasure, man. All right. I have my work tonight. Stay left. Uh, anything else, guys? What 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 other stuff should we talk about? I, I saw a bunch of other games. Any, I have any... two last quick hitters that go well together, and then that will we all have touched on everything that I played. Um, Valiant Hearts and yeah. Ori in the Blind Forest. I also played Ori today. Go ahead. Did you play Valiant Hearts? I haven't yet. No. Man, this guy has two thumbs and is disappointed. Oh Christian. no. <laughs> That's not where I expected you to go with that. Me either, man. It's so one disagreement. I, I, disagreement. I, I, <laughs> hey, quiet. You stink at games. Um, <laughs> uh, one, I, I, I do think that a game like Valiant Heart maybe isn't, you know, show floor. It's in the background and whatever, you know, it, it is what it is. But I think, you know, we've I've done enough E3s. I can kind of see past that beautiful beautiful game but it just to me what they were showing felt like a a bad side scroller like kind of mark of the ninja stealth but done poorly it's like oh here comes a guard so hide behind this bush and that's literally the only thing to do like it's not or go this way and get around and or do this and then you know you find a and you're playing as the nurse and, and you find a a, a soldier need to help, you know, resuscitate his heart or whatever, and it's just a, a, a beat matching mini game. And then going around, you have to navigate up this structure to remove these spikes from this guy, and and and, and just didn't feel to me. It didn't feel smooth or seamless, or that the game I was playing was. It's what we talked about, you know, the mechanics matching the story or the yeah. tone of the game. And, and it felt like there was such a disconnect between the two. I was like, this game is, is gorgeous. And I think the story they're trying to tell is a beautiful one. And now I'm, I'm just a character walking right to left on a screen and, and standing behind a bush. And there are a few other things. And I, after you play it, Jeff, let me know. Cause I think some of the other, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, just, I was, I was real frowny faced by it. On the other hand, Ori Holy yeah. moly, man, that game started off It's even off more small. beautiful in, in person, right? Oh, my, so gorgeous. And it starts off, the only thing you can do is jump. And then and kind you, of not well, right? And kind of strangely not well. Uh, I don't know about, I mean, to me it felt, I, you know, it, it's a farther jump than maybe you anticipate, but I didn't have a problem landing jumps. Like, didn't it feel floaty to me? It wasn't Super Mario, but nothing is. No, I didn't mean it that way. I meant it like uh, your character... Right when you start, there's ledges you can't reach. There's, oh, uh, right. there's things you can't jump all the way across. You kind of have to think about how you're going to jump, uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it has a little Metroidvania to it, you know, where sure. there's backtracking and you unlock perks and you can find new ways to get to new points. And yeah, man, one thing started clicking and you get like a little shoot ability and then you can upgrade it. And, and the shoot ability works really strangely. It's not like any shoot ability I've ever seen in a game. It, it's literally this, it's this other sort of, fairy i guess or energy being source thing that starts following you around and when you press x it shoots but it just automatically shoots at whatever enemy you're near you don't have to aim it you don't have to do anything other than push x uh but which sounds kind of stupid but works really really well 
Yeah, and they're not guaranteed like quick hone shots too. Like you'll push it and they kind of flutter out. So you still have to evade the enemy shooting back at you or, you know, flinging like porcupine spikes or whatever it is back at you. Um, so you're still jumping and moving and, and being in this world. And I think this and Valiant Hearts are different styles of games entirely. But between the two, I'm so high on Ori and and so sad. about. I, and I asked the, the person, you know, I didn't have... You know, developers just, you know, one of the, it was at the Sony's booth is where I played it. So it was a Sony rep and he was kind and nice or whatever. I was like, I feel like maybe I'm missing something about the game. He's like, what do you mean? I go, I don't know. I feel like I'm just kind of, you know, going through these paces. And and he's like, well, so the, this is the demo where, you know what I mean? He wasn't able to yeah, he wasn't elaborate. Yeah. Like sometimes you get that developer that can really be like, yeah, I, I get right. it. This is what we're showing, but the game, and then they can kind of sell you on the the bigger idea and how these concepts come together. Yeah. Um, but if you have time, check it out because I'd love to know that I did, in fact, miss something. It wouldn't be the first time that I completed, air quote, a demo on the show floor and like didn't do it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yeah. Like, yeah. Sometimes it can be something. a poor way to to even see anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the big surprises for me was uh, Fable Legends. I got a behind closed doors uh, play session with that. And uh, I'd come out of the Microsoft press conference kind of high on it. I, I thought it w- looked really fun. And turns out it is really fun. Uh, I think this is a game that is going to fly under a lot of people's radar at their peril. I think it's uh, if you're excited about Evolve, you should be excited about Fable Legends because it's the same game, basically. Uh, it's four. <laughs> It's four versus one. And, um, you know, wh- while in Evolve, the one is playing as a big giant monster, which is cool. Uh, in Fable Legends, the one is playing as a person who gets to set traps and set monsters in motion uh, throughout the map. But they're actively engaged in what is happening at all times. They can drop drop like air attacks down on the field. And and it, it's really fun trying to outsmart those players. Or I was playing as one of the heroes. Uh, and we're trying at all times to try to figure out where that person's going, bait them into letting off some of their things and then jumping out of the way at the last second. So they use it up. Um, the 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 evil character is, you know, releasing uh, fences or, or shooting these fences up, which you can then destroy so that he can't use it. But he's trying to trap you in areas and and unleash his stronger monsters at certain points. Uh, it's really cool. And you're you know, you're leveling up You're you've got these hero characters that persist over time so you have loot you have experience points you have money you have all the trappings of fable type things that you make your character stronger and you have these uh super abilities i was playing as one of the ranged characters uh, an archer who's sort of the dps dealer uh, at range uh and i had a blast playing it and it looks really great i mean it's got that fable sort of uh, almost um, claymation look to it, and everything moves like as your character walks. Like every piece of clothing on him, and his little sacks, and his little you know belt pieces, and everything, it all move independently. It just feels so alive, and the lighting is fantastic. I was really impressed with Fable Legends. I think I think a lot of people are going to overlook it, and I don't think they should. I'm I'm glad that you you dug it. I mean, it sounds kind of neat when you describe it that way. I I remember seeing it during the the Microsoft show and thinking it's just kind of a weird way to spend the fr- the Fable franchise. Like, I think I'd rather yeah. have a single player Fable game. Than, I would too. Than, I would too. Because what like this it's... really is is it's like a multiplayer game that happens to be skinned as Fable in the same way as like you know a a, a resource management board game would be skinned as D and D or something like that. 
Well, they uh, were very quick to say that it, it's not multiplayer only. I see a lot of people in the chat room asking that question as well. It, it, you can play it single player, um, but when you play it single player, they're you know bots that take over all the other roles. Uh, but there is a a persistent storyline that you you know you uncover over time, um, and and you're leveling it up like an RPG. But I I, I understand what you're saying, like. I, I would like I hope that there is still a mainline fable being made because I, I like those games a lot. But uh, but this was fun. Yeah. Um okay, let's uh let's go to the phones. Uh eight three one excuse me, six three one. Uh what is your name where you're calling from and what do you want to talk about with E three? Hi, I'm Ken from uh, Massachusetts. Um Hi, Ken. I mean I think I just want to talk about the fact that uh I think Nintendo blew me away. Like I have to admit for probably the past five or six years, I've been call, I've been um, watching the E3 press conferences and kind of watching them and kind of laughing at Nintendo. And this year I was de- definitely laughing with them and like, I'm really excited and I kind of want to get a Wii U now. Well, I want to, I want to dissect this a little more. First of all, uh, what made you excited most of all? Is it more than just Zelda? And B, what changes kind of want to get a Wii U into? I'm definitely getting a Wii U. What 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 needs to happen before that? I've happens? never want I've never wanted a Wii U. Like I had no interest in it, and I'm not like a huge Nintendo fan. To be honest, I've never completed a Zelda game either. It was really um like I don't know. It was the culmination of everything, and I think part of it as well was the fact that they're probably the only ones who showed new IP that wasn't a CG trailer. Like everything they showed had gameplay behind it. Uh, the two big ones that really like got me excited were Xenoblade. Uh, yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles and uh, Splatoon. I just yeah. thought they were just, both of them looked like really fun games that something unique. And I, there was gameplay that, you know, looked really fun. And yeah, I think I think you're you hit on the the nail on the head for a lot of people is that we're at this point now where we're a little CG trailered out and uh the fact that Nintendo stepped up to the plate and said, "Hey, we're going to do this on our own terms a little bit and we're going to uh we're going to show you actually the games in motion and we're not going to sugarcoat it with kind of weird CG stuff going on. It's it's all it's all direct from the game, and here's a bunch of stuff. And and then they did this weird thing too, where their their Nintendo Direct ended, and they did this treehouse, and then they announced like three other games, which is crazy. Among them, a Star Fox game, which is pretty pretty wild to not include in your main quote unquote press conference. And they're announcing um, more later this week, aren't they? I mean, they they've already said they have more on the way. Well, if they do a sort of end of show, drop the mic, Metroid reveal, which is sort of what Zav was referring to earlier right. with the whole lapel pins code that we're supposed to decipher. Uh, that could be, that could rock the gaming world in a really interesting way. It could be like, hey, the show isn't over on the first day, which a lot of people kind of, I think, presume. It's like, well, who won the press conferences? Show over, go home. It's like, no, the show hasn't even really started on the first day. <laughs> That's day zero, you know? And it, I think that could be a really cool move on their part if if they pull it off i mean yeah. it, N- nintendo always does a really good job of showing off nintendo games and i think that's cool and they have a lot of them that sound really interesting right now uh, i still as much as i want some of those games i have a hard time convincing myself to buy a wii u because once i get past those games what's next there's you know 
third-party games are few and far between for that platform, and I'm still really, really concerned about that. Uh, yeah. That said, you're absolutely right. Like the CGI trailers were a bit of a bummer in a lot of cases, um, and we're all way more excited about games where we actually saw gameplay, except for Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I am totally excited about. Me too. Oh my gosh, me too. Uh, yeah, I think that the way the Wii U sits, at least in my mind at this point, is it, it could never be my only console, but I'm certainly glad it's one of my consoles. You know, it, it's delivering experiences that are unique to it. And, uh, you know, you could, you could certainly get away with having either the Xbox One or the PS4, but I don't think you could have Wii U type experiences without it. Yeah. Christian, what do you think, man? Yeah, um, I mean, the Star Fox reveal, is that 2017? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, you know, like they're looking for a third party maybe to pass it. Like it's rougher than Criterion's next game. It's kind of the stuff that I had heard. And um, Nintendo does Nintendo so well. But I think because that they're locked and I'm not calling for them to go to a third party, you know, that's a different discussion it's a much bigger debate but i think because their consoles have been nintendo machines for so long now at least you know three generations if not more i think because of that you get locked into this feeling of you can only get that experience on a nintendo console i don't know if that's necessarily true even though i find myself guilty of it when i talked about mario golf 3ds i was like this this is this feels like home to me this is only not available on nintendo but it's not i mean like hot shots and there are other games that do that it just doesn't have Nintendo characters. I mean, you were talking about Fable Legends that could have easily been, I think, if Nint- if that had come out last year on the with the, the gamepad and it was somehow a Zelda Four Swords, you know, reimagined, I think people would have been like, and this is this is Nintendo magic right here. This is only only with Nintendo would do something this genius. And, you know, <laughs> Sonic All-Stars Transformed. Uh, I hope that's the na- right name. The most recent Sonic Racing game is I haven't played Mario Kart 8 and above, you know, hands-on time at demos and press events or whatever. Um, but from what I've heard of that game, you know, Mario Sonic Transformed is the best kart game except for maybe Mario Kart 8. And But it's like that's, well, but Mario Kart, only Nintendo. Only Nintendo can pull this. Like, Nintendo makes great games, but other consoles make these amazing experiences also. It's just I think they're overshadowed to some extent, because on Nintendo, you only get Nintendo. And I said this on an old week and confirmed that I, I wish more, almost more than anything that Raymond Legends was called Mario because then more people would have played it. I mean, it was some of the most right. brutal and accurate and amazing side-scrolling platforming I have played ever. And I think people missed out on it because it wasn't Mario. Um, you know, Tearaway... It was such a beautiful, inventive experience on the Vita that I think had it been called Kirby's, you know, yarn magic world where you're create Kirby's drawn paste or whatever. You know, so, so I get what you're saying, but I think we put ourselves in these blinders because we only get those actual games on actual Nintendo machines that sometimes we forget that they're amazing and creative and in essence owed to Nintendo <laughs> on other consoles too. Uh, I like what Falcon X says in the chat room. This is right for you, Corey. It's uh, PC plus Wii U is the perfect combo. <laughs> it's pretty darn close. Yeah. It is pretty darn close. Uh, all right, guys. Well, let's uh, 
let's wrap things up here. Um, any other final thoughts on the first official day at the show? Um, any uh, any other games that that um, we should be keeping an eye on tomorrow and the next day when we do these live shows? What do you think, Corey? Um, I'm really excited about what my coworkers have said about Rainbow Six Siege. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not a game that I'll ever really play by myself or like jump into public games, but I'm hoping I get to play with them and some other people. And I, I would love that kind of tight squad based combat. Uh, it's cool to see. It's cool to see another Rainbow Six game, frankly, because Patriot sounds like it was it just not going to work out. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, well, I've never been into the Assassin's Creed series. I think it's kind of cool that uh, they're fixing some small problems that people have had for a long time with Assassin's Creed Unity. Like, you know, they're adding they're adding some things back in. They're fixing some small niggly things. Um, that's just the chatter that I keep hearing. Um, yeah. And, I mean, just overall, like, I, I normally spend a lot of my E3 time, you know, go either at the event or if I'm watching at home thinking, oh, this stuff's fine. Maybe it'll happen later on. Like, I'm not all that interested. There's just a lot of really good games this year that I am excited about. And I know a lot of them are 2015. I know a lot of them are not going to happen this year, but they all sound interesting. I'm I'm happy to sit and wait for some of them and play what we have now. Yeah. Oh, I know what else I saw today. I went to Deep Silver and had appointments there and saw a pretty lengthy demo for uh, Dead Island 2, um, which, uh, you know, we were talking about. No longer an island. No longer an island. Now it's California, (laughs) which, you know, some people say eventually will be an island. But, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's California. It's set in in California. And I, I love the tone of this game they they are positioning it yes it's another zombie game but i i don't know if i even even dead rising didn't have this kind of tone they basically frame it like there are several people of which the player characters are some who are immune to the zombie outbreak right immune to the zombie apocalypse and they have decided that the zombie apocalypse is the best thing that ever happened because they can't turn and it basically means they get to live in sunny California for free and don't have to have jobs and everybody abandoned. Like there's just, it's a, it's a playground for them. And they think the zombie apocalypse is awesome. So, you know, even in dead rising where from the player's perspective, the zombie apocalypse is awesome because you're playing and it's a big playground from the, from the character's perspective, it still sucks and it's still scary. And you know, they're still terrified in this game, it really is the, the players themselves are having a blast, which is kind of interesting. And they're trying to create a world that is bright and sunny and fun. And uh, like the, the whole tone of it is 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 just glowing. It's not, you know, it's not the zombie dark what's around that corner. It's let's have some let's have some fun. Um, they did a very odd thing in their demo, and that is they showed a really old build from over a year ago to show you the gameplay. And I, you know, I don't I don't know who does PR for these companies. I, if, if I was the person in charge, oh, I would hey, tell Jeff. them. Oh, uh, hey, Mark, are you on the line? Hey, it's, it's, it's Mark here. And, Mark, um, Mark from marketing? Yeah, um, uh, marketing. I just wanted to call in and say, um, if they were showing an old build for the game, I want you yeah. to stay on message for what they showed that was the good stuff only. And let's go back to the trailer because that's what we were putting forward and the other stuff was just, you know, representations of the game. By the way, I think you're doing a great job. I agree with whatever Christian says. And um, I heard Corey sucks at games. Have a great E3, guys. All right, bye. <laughs> 
Wow, Ma- really Mark- representative of my my relationship with PR. Actually, That's- <laughs> <laughs> hit it right on the head, man. Uh, yeah, Mark Mark makes some made some really uh, Mark Edding from marketing. Um, he made some really strange decisions uh, with that because I'm never a fan of anytime somebody has to apologize for what they're about to show you. It's like, okay, we're going to show you this thing. It's from a really old build. Don't judge it. It's it's really crappy. Uh, so it's hey, like, why are you showing hey, it to us? Hey, Jeff, it's Mark again. Oh, Mark, it's, I thought you hung up. I really, it, I, I thought you would, we lost you. No? It, it, it sounds like you're doing the thing we specifically told you not to do. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> trying to stay positive over here, but you know, <laughs> you're judging when he said not judge. This from the guy who tweeted out uh, when someone else tweeted about the load time for Far Cry, they were like, oh, it's just a demo. Um, so just take that into heart. And you're doing a great job, by the way. I love, I love your outfit today. You look really great out there. Have a great E3. Okay, bye, guys. Wow, Mar- uh, I don't know how he gets past all the other callers on the line. So <laughs> who knew they were so good at hacking into your phone line? That's these amazing. guys. I mean, I really shouldn't have signed that deal when I said <laughs> you're always on the line. Uh, but you know, access. What I, I'll, I'll do anything for access. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. Uh, then they showed the the engine as it currently exists. Um, not gameplay, but just like shots in motion of the environments, and it's like un unreal. It's it is literally unreal. I think it's Unreal Four, but uh, it is also just staggeringly beautiful. Lighting, lighting in this generation of games is so beautiful. I I I, I just am so giddy about the way games are lit now. Um, but uh, I, I like the tone of of Dead Island Two. It seems to be pretty far off, but or I think they said spring 2015. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be that that wild, you know, make weapons, run around the environment in California, and uh, have fun killing zombies, which you know is looks looks cool. Oh oh, I remember I remember the other big thing that they said that really sounded too good to be true. Uh, they literally said no two zombies in the universe will look the same. They have this weird tech that they're working on that. Uh, it creates uh, zombies from a toolkit and it mix and matches so many variables that no, even though you'll encounter thousands and thousands and thousands of zombies in the game, uh, they will all be unique. Every single zombie you encounter will be unique looking. All right. Well, A, I'm calling BS on that. Publicly <laughs> That's because the guy from right now. No Man's Sky didn't say it. B, yeah, exactly, exactly, because it was probably said with some sort of cynicism or some <laughs> snark or something like that. B, even if they all look minutely different, I'm not going to care because I'm cutting them in half. That's, <laughs> right. that's not technology that I need. I kind of like that the zombies all look the same because they're all going to be dead anyway. You know what they say about zombies is they're, they're like snowflakes. Each zombie is like <laughs> its like, own snowflake. They're like super dead snowflakes. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Awesome. Uh, all right. I want to thank everybody who called in uh, today. Again, we're going to be here tomorrow and Thursday live shows every night, 7 p.m. Pacific time. So if you didn't get on tonight, I apologize. I know there was a lot of people waiting on, li- on the line. Um, you can call back tomorrow. Uh, that number again, 512-518-5714. I want to thank Corey for being here. Uh, you should wa- read his stuff in PC Gamer. You guys are covering E3 in a big way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, I don't even know how many stories we put together. I know I, I spent 14 hours yesterday uh, getting everything up and ready to go. Um, but wow. we're covering it all this week. Uh, you can go to PCGamer.com, check that out. Uh, you can also pick up PC Gamer Magazine, where we do really cool stuff uh, every month as well. 
Uh, and thank you so much for having me, guys. This is Dude, an absolute blast. Anytime. I'm such a fan of you and your stuff, and, uh, and you, we'll have to have you back again real soon. Uh, and you can follow Corey Banks uh, at uh, Demiurge on Twitter, D-E-M-I-U-R-G-E, right? Yeah, that's it. Come, okay. come be my, my Twitter friend. That'd be cool. Uh, awesome. Uh, Christian, you're not going to be here tomorrow. That's the rumor on the street. Yeah, so good news or better news, depending on how much you hate me. Um, I will be at E3, and then if you're in San Diego, I'm running down. I do this show called Improv vs. Stand-Up that I created. We do once a month at UCB Los Angeles, and then we have we spun it off to UCB New York as well. We're doing a special one-off of that in San Diego tomorrow night at the at Beachwood in Pacific Beach. They do a great comedy show, and we're taking it over for a night with Improv vs. Stand-Up. So if you're in San Diego... I will be there doing that. I'm going to hit the show floor and then drive and then come back <laughs> late at night. And then if you're in New York, I'm going to be doing a bunch of improv versus stand-ups out there uh, the 25th through 29th. And I'll be doing a bunch of stand-up shows in New York. And then the 17th, I have my dates in the wrong order. The 17th is What's New at Nerd Melt. I am there. Um, it's the stand-up comedy pod, live show and podcast I do on the Nerdist Network and Jackie Cashin is headlining the show. It's 100% free, so you can head over to nerdmeltla.com. Go to the calendar, just RSVP for the show. Jackie's incredible. Uh, you can see her set on Conan. She has a great podcast called The Dork Forest, and hopefully people will come out to that. I love uh, I love doing that show. And you are not only doing this tomorrow, Jeff, but you're, you're, you're popping your Bombcast cherry. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm going to be on the Bombcast tomorrow night, one of their crazy late-night things. We'll do we'll do this show live, uh, and then I'll uh, hop in my car and head back downtown to be live with those guys as well. I think Garnet's going to join me. I think Garnet might be on this show again on Thursday. Uh, we have a fan favorite, one of my favorites, uh, Jeff Mattis, is going to be joining me tomorrow on this nice. show. Um, this, the, the hits just keep on coming. We're going to have lots of fun guests and call-ins and... Uh, all kinds of stuff and you can participate I'm having so much fun this week this has been such a blast Uh, I gotta thank Zach and Miranda and Dan and Hattie and all the gang at uh, 5x5 for making this possible we're really having a great time this week and uh, and we're just getting started so uh, the first real full day of of, uh, you know wall-to-wall E3 tomorrow and uh, and then wrapping the show up on Thursday so we got two more of these live shows I hope you'll join us until then Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.